We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? This drink, I like it. Another! The Very Serious Writing Show. Featuring Steve Raza and Daniel Thompson. Now, hey, I was, I was on your website looking at some of your posts. I saw you talking about this new book that you've just written. It's not out yet, but it's um, Airfoil Origins. Oh, yes. Okay, that's my superhero one that I've been playing around with. Yeah, and I, I, know, I know it's it's hard to talk about before it's published. Oh, that's okay. I'm blabbing too much, so. <laughs> I, just want, I just wanted to ask you, superheroes have been done so much. I mean, we, we're getting, what yeah. is it, 30 superhero films between now and 2020? Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous the number that we have. And um, so I was just curious, what was it about this story that made superheroes kind of new to you, kind of fresh? Well, I kind of wanted to do my own take on a superhero story because it's one of those things I've been working, I've been trying to expand what I write rather than just the space sci-fi that I started out with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, seeing these superhero movies and watching the shows, I thought, you know, it could be kind of fun to try my hand at something similar yeah. to this. Um, the, the key element of this story is that the superhero powers are based on, I guess you could say it's kind of a medallion. You know, a lot of the superhero stories are that there are, you know, people will have abilities to uh, turn themselves into fire, like the Human Torch. or Yeah, more of the X-Men mutant. Or Ant-Man has his technology, the pin particles that shrink him or whatever. Yeah. And so it's a collection of all sorts of different things that make the superheroes what they are. You know, magic, technology, and some mix in between. With this one, I wanted to focus on this one thing. Like, other other than this, the world that it takes place in is pretty much the same like ours. Okay. So superheroes are not the norm at all. It's not like, you know, well, now the Avengers are around, and so that's, you know, now that's, there's just superheroes everywhere. That's that's totally normal. Yeah, because Marvel really takes it and is like, yeah, we're just going to introduce these superheroes, and no one's going to think anything of it. I mean, it's 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 now the new norm. Yeah. No one in the world is, is freaking out about this. Yeah, there's a weird guy with flowing locks and a hammer. Who cares? Exactly. It's a- <laughs> we'll let it go. <laughs> but have you seen the new episode of Walking Dead? I mean, it's just like, guys, why is no one freaking out about? It? Oh well. Yeah, exactly. That's it's. Um, I'm you know, so I I was playing around with that, and of course I you know I have a, the main character and his and the one thing I introduced just to be kind of well, not funny or snotty or whatever. I found it kind of made me chuckle was that the main character doesn't like comic books. He <laughs> he's he's not into it at all. His best friend is obsessed with superheroes and comic books. Okay. But he doesn't like them at all. He's kind of, you know, whenever his his best friend gets his son comic books, is kind of a gift every once in a while. And he's just like, ugh, more superhero comic books, great. So there is a certain <laughs> irony to the fact that he becomes a superhero. Yeah. Which, of course, his best friend finds out about. His best friend is like, you know, this is fantastic. <laughs> he actually finds it kind of a pain and, you know, difficult to do. But his friend just thinks it's the best thing in the world. <laughs> That's really neat. That's really So do you have any idea when this one will be out? Uh, you know, I don't. This one's really kind of in the draft stages. It needs some editing work and stuff like that. But uh, hopefully within the next year or so. Okay, cool. Let's see. Now, the one that you released, uh, it was this year, uh, was Bloodheart, right? Yes, and that was actually just uh, a few weeks back. Really? Just a few weeks ago? Yep. Well, hey, congratulations. Tell me about Bloodheart. 
Um, now this one is a fantasy novel and I hadn't really just kind of straight up fantasy and I hadn't really done fantasy before, but um, a few years back, Jeff with March of Lord Press did up this fantasy illustration because he likes to do 3D illustration stuff in his spare time, I suppose you could say. And uh, he did some really neat stuff and he had this picture of a group of five people gathered around a table in some sort of dimly lit place with a map. And the girl among them has her dagger kind of stabbed down through them. And he got this idea in his head. He's like, well, what if we, a bunch of us got together and wrote a fantasy adventure based on this picture? And his idea was that we would each take turns doing it. And I think hmm. it wound up there were seven or eight of us March of Press authors who took turns writing the story. Oh, nice. it, was the same, it was the same story. And so I wrote the first section of it, which I have to say, as a control freak, that was a lot of fun. Because then I got to set up all this stuff. <laughs> and say, oh, this is great. Here you go, guys. <laughs> but I think we all had a really good time with it. Uh, we took turns writing each chapter. I want to say we got up to 18 chapters. Okay. And it's it's actually on the Enclave website. It's one of those things you have to kind of go through and request. Because I don't, I don't recall whether it's actually still for sale or whether it's just kind of archived. Okay. Sure. But you'd have to check with them. And it's uh, the title was, I'll make sure I don't mess this up, but who would be dumb enough to even try it? Or something like that. And the dumb has a slash through it and the word brave written over top or something like that on the cover. And it was pretty it was pretty fun. It was kind of a fantasy quest story. Okay, so a bunch of y'all wrote that together. What how does uh Bloodheart tie into that? Well that's what I wasn't really sure if I wanted to write fantasy before I did that. Mm. And then I and I said, Oh well that was pretty fun. And so then I I had these ideas. I've always been fascinated with artwork and stories about um fantasy or steampunk type flying ships yeah like not not so much blimps but you know either magical or steam or other type flying boats basically yeah and so that was kind of what i came up with the idea was a crew of a flying ship and uh then i wanted to put magic into it of course because that was my big fantasy idea Mm -hmm. and for the magic system i basically just said it was people who could manifest different elements like ice or water or wind or fire things like that you know the classic type of things kind of the air airbender thing mostly i threw in lightning just because i kept thinking of the emperor from star wars and i thought somebody needs to torture somebody with (laughs) (laughs) it's just too cool to let go yeah it's it's cool and it's scary and it's loud so i think that it kind of personifies the bad guys Mm -hmm. but anyway yeah so it was kind of a you know a quest for a relic um an adventure and it came together in pieces Kind of as a, oddly enough, as a side project to another book, another couple of things I was working on. So I was actually working on two or three books at the same time. Oh, what's that like? Um, weird. <laughs> Unfortunately, you don't mess. I didn't mess things up. Uh, there were a couple times I switched tenses. I would go to write one that was in past tense, and then this one is kind of in the present first tense, and I'd whoops, start writing a paragraph and realize I messed it up. So that was really the only problem I had with that. I've never been able to write more than one thing at a time. It just it gets distracting. I can't focus. Well, I tend to take breaks between them, so I think that helped. Okay. I mean, crazy. But uh, yeah, so the blood art was it was lots of fun, you know. And then I started throwing crazy things in, like the the first mate is a guy who can transform into a creature. I thought about it being a werewolf, but werewolves have been done. So then I made him a were fox, which kind of looks like an eight foot tall werewolf, except he's red and white. So. Well, hey, that's different. Yeah. And so then the and then the other person on the crew is a girl who has angel wings and deadly aim with a crossbow. That's cool. 
and uh, a dog on the crew just because I thought it would be fun to have a dog to meet sick people. Uh, and then, of course, there's dragons and there's assorted other creatures. And- so, so you've got kind of the floating ship element with winged winged people and were foxes. It's, it sounds like a pretty cool world in and of itself. It was pretty. It was pretty fun to create, and the idea, you know, when I finally got down to putting a map for it, the idea I'd always had in my head was that there's lots of floating islands and things like that all around, places mm-hmm. that can in the sky, and so that eventually morphed into the story taking place in a kind of fantasy version of Europe slash Mediterranean, where pieces of the different continents and islands we know exist, but it's mostly water, and then there's tons of floating islands everywhere where things, I don't know, have broken off or whatever. I didn't really get to the backstory of how that started. But. Yeah. Um, we're going to do, you, you're wanting to do a giveaway of that book. Yes, indeed. Sure. I have one more question, and then, and then we'll get to the giveaway. I forgot. I have, have one more I'm, I meant to ask you. <laughs> you. You're publishing with Enclave, which is a Christian publishing company. Yep. So how do you weave the, the Christian themes? How's your faith impact your writing? Well, with some of the other books, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, with the word reclaimed, the word unleashed, that story was uh, that the Bible and all, pretty much all religious texts of any persuasion are banned. Yeah. You can't own one, you can't read one, that kind of thing. And so the whole point of the story is the young guy finds a Bible and they're banned and it all just kind of kicks off from there. Um, with the other stories, well, with Broken Sight, which takes place a few years later, that emphasis was more on the restoration of religious freedom and how the people deal with this all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Because for years they've been, uh, it's been oppressed and they can't say anything about it. Now all of a sudden everybody can talk about their own religions, which of course doesn't always make everybody happy. Yeah. And you get to conflict with that. So that's Crosswind, straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. And Crosswind was, the idea was that what if the apostle apostolic times took place during this story world or slightly before okay in in the book they run into people individuals who are like second tier apostles who people who had walked with their world's version of the savior so it's almost like a steampunk allegory in a way yeah that's cool and so rather than saying there's the Bible, they have their, and I can't remember the word for it that I used in the story, how embarrassing is that? <laughs> they have their collection of Old Testament writings that are bound together, kind of like the Old Testament scriptures for us. But then the New Testament stuff are these pamphlets or tracts or letters that have been written back and forth by these guys that you can get published down the local corner store uh, or the general store and pick them up there because these guys are still writing them. And so it's you know, 30-ish, 40 years later that this world that the main characters are living. That's pretty cool. So, and, you know, with, with the Bloodheart, that, the element there was a little more low-key because mm-hmm. the emphasis was more on the characters and the magical system. But the question that comes up in the book a lot is, you know, there is this magical stuff. I don't want to say force because it sounds like Star Wars. Yeah. It was stuff. Magical stuff. Magic stuff. World. It is accessible. People can access magic. You know, there are these crystals that are magical that keep the cities afloat and help the ships float. Magical stuff. And so then the question is, you know, is the magic something that mankind controls however they want? Or is there actually somebody else who is the creator of everything magical? And so my idea was that was in assuming that there was a magical system in this world, it would be something that like everything else in creation was created by God. Yeah. But just become warped and uh, cursed or whatever in its own way. But it's written more so that's 
a little more subtle than that. There's a priestly character who is, uh, you know, reminds the main character Bowen of these kind of things. Yeah, this is a little more low-key, I guess you'd say. Yeah, I, I struggle with that. I'm writing, you're going to laugh, I'm writing a dystopian comedy right now. Actually, sounds funny. I, <laughs> dystopia needs, I think dystopia needs comedy because that's what turned me off to, that's what finally turned me off to The Walking Dead. Yeah? I, mean, I watched The Walking Dead, I don't want to use the term religiously, but it was pretty darn close to it. <laughs> um, you know, first, second, third season, and then by the third, fourth season, it was like, okay, now we're going to leave somewhere bad, go somewhere, it's nice and happy, oop, everything goes bad, and now we're all getting eaten again. Yeah. <laughs> we just do this for three seasons? Yeah. And no, there's, there's personal redemption, but there's no sign of hope, really. Yeah. So what I what I wanted to do is I kind of wanted to take the Hunger Games model and write it from the other perspective. The idea is that when the world ends, the only people left to to uh, run the government are the interns who've been working there. Oh. <laughs> see, oh, so you have these guys who have no idea what the heck they're doing, trying to stop these uprisings that are obviously and logically led by uh, teenage females. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that, yeah. And they're just trying to protect the people, but these these angsty teenagers keep bringing up these rebellions, and it's just it's so yeah, it's really funny. I'm trying to figure out in this story context how do I bring in a Christian theme into this ridiculous yeah. world? That's always that's usually the trick, and a lot of times I think it works. And 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 what I tried to do with the other stories, all of them, is you know even though there was a Christian theme, what I always tried to focus on was the characters themselves because. For me, it was more important to show, you know, you can have a fantasy or steampunk or sci-fi story world and have a Christian character living in it. You know, my big gripe, of course, with a lot of the sci-fi stories is they're great stories, but anytime a Christian character shows up, they're kind of, you know, you kind of just want to cringe or, yes. or get past them. Yeah, and one of the other books that I'm working on editing right now that I maybe it'll be out next year, I'm not quite sure, is one that I did that has, um, I took a line that C.S. Lewis wrote in one of his books. He wrote a section, I think it's called On Rocketry and Religion. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how we would react if we ever found aliens. Yeah. And uh, he made this throwaway, not really throwaway line, but it almost struck me as that. He said, you know, if, if there's aliens out there who are believers and you can prove they're believers, well, they have a lot in common with us. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, well, that could be kind of interesting. So my story is about a human and his alien, who are they're art theft investigators. <laughs> okay. So and so they're working together. And so it has this kind of, you know, it's been a long time since I watched Alien Nation, but I was kind of going for that vibe. Okay. Um, a human and alien partner. And it's set in the modern day world, but it's an alternate version of the modern day world. I dig it. I like the, it. <laughs> aliens showed up on Earth about... 10, 15 years ago. Okay. And so now they're living here, they're hanging out here, we're part of their space empire or whatever, and you just kind of have to deal with it. And what, one of the things that I thought of that kind of inspired me to the mixing of it was we were on vacation and parked somewhere in the parking lot of this hotel, and there were these empty handicapped parking spots, mm -hmm. you know, with blue paint and the white outline of the person in the wheelchair. And I thought in my head, because I was thinking of the story at the time, I thought, well, how would we adapt to having aliens here? And I kind of chuckled myself. Well, you know what? There'd probably be a green space next to it with an alien. <laughs> Reserved parking for the alien overlords. I thought, okay, that's that. We're going to put that in there. So that's, that's in there. I have to read this. 
movie. It's quite entertaining. It's not, it's a little more, it kind of straddles the line between what you would call the general market and Christian fiction because yeah. there's a lot of Christian elements, but it also is fairly rated PG-13. Mm-hmm. So that it was a fun one to write. Okay, <laughs> when's, sure. when's that um, one going to be a thing? You know, I'm kind of hoping next year, but I kind of got to wait and see. I got to find somebody to do me some really cool cover art because I already have mm-hmm. a very definite way of what the alien, or idea of what the alien looks like. So that needs to be, that needs to be on the cover, I think. But let's go ahead and do the giveaway. You're doing, you're giving away Bloodheart. Yes. All right. It'll, it'll be a signed paperback copy of it. Woo! Uh, they can go to my website and uh, sign up there to follow my website. It's not an official newsletter, but they will get you know whenever there's a new post. Which you, you don't you don't spam everyone with emails like every day. No, because I'm really bad about keeping up my website and Facebook <laughs> stuff. So you know. So maybe it's kind of when I get to. It. <laughs> so maybe three times a month they'll get an email. Yeah, maybe sometimes. <laughs> and people can follow you on Facebook. Follow me on Facebook. I'm on Twitter also. Nice. Well, hey, Steve, I really appreciate you being on the show. This was fun. Great. Thanks, Daniel. It was a pleasure to be here. Hey, I'll talk to you again soon. Good luck to you out there. All right. Thanks. It's late at night on a Monday, and I have to come up with a liner that's inspirational for the show. What is the color purple? And you know what? I think I'm done. I think I'm done for the day. I'm going to take the day off. Thank you all so much for joining in today. Thank you all for being here. For you and me being here together in the same place. Because that's technically what this is. Magic. It's not a podcast. This is magic transportationism. Mm Mm-hmm. Bet you didn't know that. I didn't until recently. So now you know. Hey, Steve Raza, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being on the show. You all can follow Steve over on Facebook, on Twitter. Remember, his last name is R-Z-A-S-A. It's confusing and unnecessary, to be honest. But you know what? We don't pick our last names. Hey, did you all like the split, the the two-episode way that we did this time around? Uh, If so, I'll keep it. If you prefer me go back to the one episode a week, though, I will do that as well. You just let me know on Facebook or on the SoundCloud comment section. Either of those places work for me. And you know what? I will see you all again next week. We have got a very fun person in next week. Isaiah Douglas Gray. Caught you listening, brother. You're on next week. See you then. And to the rest of you, thanks again, and I'll be seeing you later.